Welcome to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ward, and this is going to be episode number 107 of the show. Uh, this is our wrap-up on the Desert Rats uh, stage race in my <laughs> in my attempt to tell kind of the story of one adventure from a whole bunch of different perspectives, uh, which we've been doing periodically throughout the show over the last few months um so this is the last one this is the wrap up uh if you haven't gone back and listened to the other ones i would highly suggest that they've been really good um this adventure was absolutely mind-blowing spectacular and i really just i sent a message to the whole group afterwards and said you know basically like if you want to share your story i want to hear it um i want to share it because it was just such an interesting event because it was a week long. So we all got to have our own adventures and I wanted to hear them all. So here we are. And, and for this year, anyways, <laughs> we're at the end of the desert rats adventure. Um, I have signed up for next year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know there's a chance that it might be ridiculously hot next year. Uh, even more hot, more hot. Come on, man. <laughs> Even hotter than uh, than it was this year. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to whatever the future may bring uh, as it pertains to Desert Rats because what an amazing adventure. Um, all right, so let's get into it. This episode, I have four interviews with uh, participants and or three participants. Two of them were veteran desert ratters i guess that's how you would say such a thing <laughs> um they ran the race the year before and we get to hear some of the stories there so actually we have the 2017 desert rats winner sue heineman on first uh she kind of talks about what it was like last year and how it compared to this year here the experience from like quote unquote veterans like people uh -huh. who have done the race before and to hear how it compared to the year before and jeff mentioned and you mentioned during the race i remember how like brutally hot it was in 2017 right. so do you want to like yeah i do i want to hear about your 2017 experience too so let's okay. let's start with that okay yeah so i mean first of all like it's yeah, I went into this, like I said, with not a huge amount of experience doing this. Um, I had done my first marathon like a year and a half before that and, you know, mostly thought that trail running seemed cool, like just because yeah. I've always liked to hike. Well, I haven't always liked to hike. I, I didn't actually discover that I liked being outside until I was like 30. Um, but then I got really into like bike touring and started getting into some backpacking and hiking and um, met some trail runners um, out here, I'm, I'm right now at the Grand Tetons where I play in a music festival, and I thought, ooh, trail running, that looks really cool. So I just um, looked for a race in the West um, because I really like the West, and I found something that fit my schedule, and it was this Desert's Rats thing, and it just seemed, you know, in a way, just insanely out of reach, like those kinds of mileage, you know, let alone the heat. Um, but I figured, you know, I'll do my best to, to train for it and just see what happens. And yeah, I've been on, on other group tours or tours on my own or with Bill where, you know, if you don't feel well, you just don't go as far that day. So I, 
I mean, I definitely went into this, even forgetting about the heat, having no idea if I was going to even get through one day. Um, and then we got out there and Reed gave the same spiel that he gives. Like <laughs> I heard, listen to your podcast um, that you did with him. And, yeah. and, you know, then as you know, so when you listened to his opening day sort of welcoming, it's, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, he, he, he really takes a lot of pleasure in setting up something that's going to be really difficult. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I almost feel like he's was probably a little disappointed this year that it wasn't as hot <laughs> as it was last year. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so last year he's like, yeah, there are hot years and there are hotter years and this is going to be one of the hotter years. Um, and you know, and then, you know, because I was just so unsure of what I was doing, I talked to a bunch of people. I have a, a, a friend who's also a bassoon player and, does ultra running. So she had been giving me advice all along about, you know, how to deal with electrolytes and stuff. I still didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing, but you know, yeah, we just kind of set off on the first day and I had my little salt pills and I was kind of taking it easy and yeah, it was really hot. <laughs> um, and then yeah, even on the very first day, I remember, you know, I got to the finish and sat down and within like less than a minute, the guy next to me starts vomiting. Oh and, um, and he had been one of the first two guys in. And so I was like, you know, can I get you some water? Do you want me to leave you alone? You know, I'm not sure what the right thing is to do here. <laughs> but he, but, you know, I think that, you know, if you've done this stuff m more, you realize that that's just, that's something that happens, you know, <laughs> so that, you know, people throwing up, it's, it's not, it's not as a big of a, an event, um, as it seems to like a, a new person, I was like, Oh my God, everybody's throwing up what's happening. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so he, you know, and within a few minutes he got rehydrated and he was completely fine. And, um, and then Bill shows up, my husband on his bike, you know, considerably later. Cause you remember that first day had a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of rocky, technical. scrambly stuff that he was, you know, carrying his 30 pound bike up. So, so he got in and he's telling me that somebody, you know, nearly threw up on his pack at one of the race stops, at one of the aid stops, sorry. And then, you know, we're also hearing people talking about a couple of other people who are out there really struggling on the field. And, you know, just like in the first day, I was like, it was just, it really blew my mind because, you know, I'm, I go into this, like I said, not having any idea if I can even finish one day. And I ended up actually being pretty comfortable. And yet I'm looking around and there's all these people like really miserable, but but in a way, kind of not so miserable because like they the next day, you know, they're talking and it's just like, oh, yeah, I did, you know, I got to that point and suddenly I started feeling terrible and, uh, you know, I threw up and got in the car and cooled down and then I kept going and it, it's it's kind of cool. I mean, it's just like you. It, it's one of, one of the things that I really like about this sort of experience or just the outdoor adventure in general is that you just kind of get stripped to your like elements and you know, yeah, I'm going to go pee in the woods or somebody just <laughs> puked next to me or we yeah. haven't had a shower a week and I'm sleeping on the ground and, you know, whatever. And it's, it just, it's, I like that kind of simplicity of like life and humanity. Um, and yeah, and that, that people were just kind of basically practically naked in front of each other. And I mean, not literally, but it's like, yeah, we're all popping blisters in front of each other and, you know, talking about this and that. And it's, um, oh yeah, you, you know, sometimes, you know, in there's so much in, in life where people feel like they have to like pretend that bodily functions don't exist. It's kind of a relief <laughs> that you can just think like, that this can be a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and also just the, well, obviously sharing the, you know, exhaustion of, of the, the experience. And it was really hard to sleep also. 
um, just because the nights were so hot. So that just made the situation more difficult, Dang. I think. Because I mean, I was having I was having a hard time sleeping also because I was like super jacked off on adrenaline because I couldn't believe that I was getting through these days. Yeah, it was really it was exciting. I mean, and it was also I mean something that I um, I remember really well on that first day. You know, it's you know as the people who were struggling started to come in. You know, toward the end, I mean the 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 eruption of support of everybody who's been sitting around at camp waiting for them. I mean, it was really moving. I started to cry like when these people would come in because, you know, they'd obviously been like, there's this one couple and, and they came in hand in hand and they, I mean, they could like barely move and, but they made it and they, they made it, you know, for the cutoff and they will, yeah, the, the person at the end gets the biggest cheers as I found out on yeah. the last day of <laughs> this year. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, and that's really, it's, that's why this event was so amazing to me. And I didn't expect that. I mean, I expected everyone to get along and have a fun time, but to be that excited watching someone come in, you know, oh. even if you'd seen 10 other people come in previous and you cheered for them, yeah. but then like, you know, just being so incredibly supportive of the other racers. That was so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. My friend that I was mentioning, the bassoonist, um, she she had told me that, you know, at a number of races, she's been DFL. And yeah. I, of course, I didn't know what that was, but you probably know and all your listeners probably do. And yeah, she's like, that's the best place to be. You get the most applause. That's so cool. <laughs> you get the most cowbells. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, last year, I mean, so you ended up doing, I mean, you ended up winning the race in 2017. I know, it's, it's really crazy. So I mean, cool. because, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I think that I just tolerated the heat for whatever reason. But I mean, I tend to, I start slow and, and I would just, you know, I was constantly cooling myself off with water and, you know, I don't know if it's just like a fluke of my genetics or whatever, which is funny because my father, my, neither of my parents like the heat, especially my dad. I mean, if it's above 60 degrees, he's miserable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there were some really strong runners last year, including Amanda and Teresa. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny because I looked at the times from this year compared to last year. Mine were pretty consistent up until the last day when I was like starting to get injured. But um, but those guys, I mean, especially Amanda, I could tell Amanda, like we ran together a little bit on the expedition day last year and we ended up coming in together and it was super exciting. And we were like the second people in that day um, because by that time there were just had been several casualties to the heat. Um, it was super exciting. And, and I could tell that day that this is somebody who can really run, yeah. that, oh. but that I, you know, and, but that I guess, you know, she had told me that she had, you know, maybe gone out too fast on the first day and got a little mm. bit sick and she didn't really feel that well until toward the end. And then, you know, but by that time, you know, I was so far ahead of her in the overall standings that by the final day start, I was like, this is ridiculous and I'm going to win this. This is insane. <laughs> and, you know, and on the final day, it's like, you know, I wasn't any different, but I, I'm not a, I have one, I, I had the heat tolerance and then I'm good at going uphill. Yeah. The last day as a downhill. So on the last day, even last year, like, people who I'd been like effortlessly passing all week just like blew by me like were beating me by an hour an hour and a half or whatever and and then you know obviously the same thing happened this year but but worse because I could I was like crawling by the end but I yeah, it was really cool I remember seeing Amanda last year on the way back in from the um that uh out and back that porcupine thing like running like a gazelle and i was like that's my girl that's yeah, awesome she she was just really incredible something. this year it was yeah. and like is I honestly like 
it was her attitude that amazed me. She was just so positive the whole entire week. And then, I mean, I didn't even barely see her run because she would take off and I'd be like, okay, like in the first two minutes. And I I mean, it was just, it was amazing to see. She rocks. No, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, her and Ryan, I mean, same thing. He'd he'd run by you and it was just like this beautiful thing to watch. He's like, I wish I could watch this longer. But they were, yeah, I mean, they were both. I I mean, it's, I think every, there was no asshole in this group. I mean, these these people who were just, like you said in in your previous podcast, they were in a class by themselves as runners. And, but they were super cool and, and supportive. And it's just, it's a really nice vibe. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So this year, like, I don't know, what did you feel different about this year besides the weather? Because obviously that made a big difference for um, a lot of the returning racers. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it was a different, um, I mean, a much higher success rate this year. It's a much stronger field, I think, in general this year. I mean, I don't know that that really made a huge difference in terms of, you know, people being nice and supporting each other and and whatever, but it was... um, you know, for me personally, I, I was curious to see how this would be because, you know, even with the first one coming in, you know, like I said, I came in in the beginning thinking I'll just do what I can. I don't I don't have any expectations, you know, of even finishing all of this, but I'll just do what I can and enjoy being in Utah. You know, and then I was wondering and then, you know, halfway through when it started to look like I was climbing up in the standings then I had this whole like internal struggle about feeling competitive and yeah. does that make me jerk and why you know and, and it, it obviously it wasn't I just didn't I was not happy because that I was winning because other people were sick I mean that that didn't give me any pleasure but you know still just there's something that's kind of fun about like being on the trail and like seeing a bunny in front of you and like oh I'm gaining on them maybe I'm <laughs> going to pass them and yeah. so I was curious to see how I personally would handle that uh, coming back as the so-called returning champion the by fluke um but it was on the first day i ended up getting lost so like losing immediately like an hour of time and oh, i was like no. i'm actually i followed ann <laughs> that that bunny she's a good bunny to follow she's you know? a beast yeah she's a beast but so she, i think it was i think it was bob it was ann and i think bob and me and we all took the wrong turn and then uh. we all came back together and um yeah and i remember thinking okay that's actually good because that'll like knock any of these competitive feelings out of my head and then also also it was just so obvious that there were so many like strong runners and without the without the heat it you know people everybody was doing doing great and um which is so crazy it's so crazy to me having not experienced the heat you guys did in 2017 because i'm like it was still really hot <laughs> it was yeah I, I, yeah i guess it was pretty hot but i mean i don't maybe you know like what the stats are like last year i think only nine people out of like 24 finished something <sighs> That's like that crazy yeah i, I, I think this year had a much higher it was finish like 20 rate. i think it was 19 or yeah. 20 yeah yeah um yeah i mean there, there's definitely something that's that's different about you know and especially when it's um, everything was so new for me the first year. So anytime you go back and do something again, you know, the, I mean, the the actual days running actually feel a little bit shorter because you know what's coming. Um, you know, you're you're in all the same places, so it, it's never going to have the same impact as the very first time that that you did the event. Um, so and and it's funny because I came in, you know, with basically the same attitude as last year, which is like. Except this year, I trained much less, so I was like, "This is crazy." I'm, there's no way I'm going to finish it this year. But yeah. you know, it's you know, Bill will be there again, and we'll have a good time and whatever. And um, but I mean, a lot about it is it's. I don't know. It's. I mean, it was 
it was the same event. I mean, it's it's the same kind of everybody's out there, and yeah, it, and if it's ninety five degrees or one hundred ten or whatever, that expedition day is still hard. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a that's a lot of miles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and um. So when yeah. when so I know day twenty five or day twenty five. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, day five or six. I'm sorry. Um, the last day, the marathon day. Yeah. I know that was the day that like the wheels kind of fell off the bus for you. I was just, yeah. I'm, I'm on your blog and uh, oh. you have the funniest first sentence. It just says, ugh, this was hard. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have done it because now I can't walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's funny because um, it's, and you know, so I, and I was home for about a few days. I went to see my orthopedist and of course he's like, what did you do? And I was like, well, I ran like five and a half marathons last week. And he's just kind of <laughs> like, rolling his eyes and it's just okay you know and trying to trying to like rest for me some kind of guarantee that I will not hike until I've been able to walk pain-free for a week which I I've already broken that pledge I hiked 16 <laughs> miles yesterday um, I was like oh that's beautiful here I'm gonna do it I mean it actually it feels much better but yeah just like last year I mean I, I I don't know how far back in the blog you went but I mean even last year before I went in I had some you know sort of migrating pains here and there kind of things that you know, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal. I mean, I'm, you know, over 50 every morning, you wake up with some kind of thing that feels weird. And you start walking and running. And usually, after a couple miles, things kind of settle in, which is what happened last year. I mean, I had plenty of little, my hamstring hurts today, my Achilles hurts tomorrow, yeah. and whatever. But nothing ever that, you know, nothing that was ever that didn't just kind of go away after the first half an hour or so of walking. And, and this year was, you know, it felt a little bit worse. I had some some like stuff in my calf, which I'd never experienced before. But um, after the expedition stage, I was really hurting. And but by the, by the next morning, we you know we had that day off. We went down to the water, and I felt fine. So I was like, I guess I'll finish this. And yeah, like I said, I was my times were, you know, really similar to last year's. Um, I didn't seem to get any faster because of the cooler weather, but. I thought I was, I thought I was in the clear and I, I did consider, like I said, I, on, on, after the expedition, I was thinking I probably shouldn't run the final day, but then after, on the day off, everything seemed okay again. So I, I started off on the final marathon and you know, everything was fine as long as we were going uphill, but it's the downhill that, yeah. um, that kills me. And, and, um, yeah, it's funny cause on the expedition stage, um, again, going back to that, like I was in third place you know for most of the week and I was you know it was like so it was like me and then like Anne was like 30 minutes behind me and um we were in on the expedition day there was this kind of a climb toward the end and then the long descent and like you know I saw her at the second to last aid station and then I was going on and I was really surprised that she wasn't overtaking me because she's such a great athlete and then but like as soon as I cleared the crest of that hill, she just came flying by me, and like, and and I was just like, wow, you know, it's like I and the thing is, I've known for over a year now that my downhill game is is what's holding me back. So the fact that I actually managed to injure myself this time is more motivation to work on it. Yeah. Like you know, before I was like, yeah, I should probably get faster on the downhill because you know, like I I was I tr I tried to do a hundred k last October and because and on the uphills I was passing people and on the downhill they would all fly by me and and I knew it was like and then I timed out like I I got to the 60k and I couldn't finish and I was like if I want to try this again I'm really going to have to get better at downhilling yeah 
but then I'd never actually bothered to work on it. Yeah. And then, yeah, the fact that this time I ended up like hobbling myself, like there were a good four days that I couldn't, I really could not put any weight on my leg at all. And then I started kind of hobbling around and um, I got, I got out here. I saw a PT who was like, at this point it was like, it had been about five days and he's like, it's time for you to stop hobbling. Like, like he, he wanted me to either use two poles he didn't want me to limp anymore, which and actually was like really great advice because I would have, if I'd listened to my orthopedist back home, I probably would have still been on crutches to, to today. Um, yeah. But, but um, you know, he was, he's like, I actually think that if you start trying to walk normally and evenly, you're, you know, because at that point, anyway, boring. It'll like stuff, heal, I, right? <laughs> if you start walking and you don't overcompensate with your other leg, is that what they're thinking? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, on the one hand, yeah, obviously there's the problem if you're overcompensating, you're going to injure the other leg. But also, you know, he his sense was that, you know, and I mean, this makes, I think anybody would agree to this. I mean, it might, you know, to be fair to my orthopedist, he's terrific. And he, it wasn't like just here's your prednisone and you'll be fine. It was like, <laughs> here's your prednisone and you need to see a physical therapist yeah. like immediately, several yeah. times a week. But I was like, sorry, I'm going to, you know, Jackson Hole. So you know, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, and, um, and by the time, you know, I think it, it probably healed up quicker maybe than he and even, even anticipated. But um, uh, yeah, he would just thought that, you know, you get into these like weird neural patterns, like your, 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 your body, it's just the body is so amazing. And it just like figures out some other way to move you forward. Yeah. Sometimes that then you get into, you know, I was just getting into like a weird, like I was just using the wrong muscles and it was just going to keep perpetuating itself until I tried started to like just walk normally. And, um, you know, I still, I mean, I still have some stuff to figure out. Yeah. Clearly. yeah. So what did that whole last like six miles was all downhill and it was all for the most part on like cement, like on a normal yeah. road. So how did that, how did that, I mean, obviously there was a lot of pain, but like, how did you handle it mentally? Well, the pain, the pain was actually the worst in the porcupine because of the, okay. uh, the technical, like the uneven. And, you know, I, I took a, I just couldn't move quickly and I, I was unable to lift my legs very high at that point. Jeez. So I was like kind of stumbling and, and it was, but it did, even that day, I have to say, like I came in, I was going in and a bunch of people, some of the stragglers were coming out. And, and they, everybody was so like, oh, they're so happy to see me because they were like worried about me. Yeah. And I was like, that's really nice. <laughs> um, and, and I started offering people money for their rocks because remember we had to pick up the rock yeah. at the end. Yeah. I was like, I'm giving $10,000 for that rock. And they're like, no way, man, no way. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, and, and I still, I, I really didn't think, even at that point, I didn't think this is, you know, going to be serious. I just thought, oh, you know, I'm really getting, you know, I'm pretty sore, but it, I, for the next, I wasn't good. You know, I had no plans to run anytime soon after that. At least yeah. I was going to take like at least a week off. We had, um, we're had booked already this rafting trip for the next two days, um, down from the, um, Dewey bridge where, where we camped that night. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of hurting in the porcupine thing. Like when I have to take big steps and I had a couple of sort of moments of sort of sharp pain, but otherwise when I got back to the, I was still able to walk. It wasn't that bad. It's like, you know, I felt a little bit like maybe I'd twisted my knee. I mean, I knew I hadn't, but that's what it felt like. It felt like I yeah. twisted my knee, but I was able to even do a little bit of ultra shuffling and going <laughs> down there. And, um, and I come back, I came out to that aid station and I was like, I was actually, I was like, can you please tell me that I missed the cutoff and I can get a ride home? And they're like, Nope, sorry, but like, you gotta keep I, going. 
Yeah, right. And I mean, and again, I mean, had I said I'm really hurting, of course, you know, I don't feel like they would have pressured me or anything. But, yeah. you know, I didn't really I really didn't. I'm not that, you know, ambitious or aggressive or that I really cared if I finished. But I just thought I can finish, you know, I'd, and I was honestly really surprised when the next morning I couldn't walk. Oh, I, I mean, it just everything seized up in this sort of that area around your knee where all like these different tendons, you know, and, and muscles up. and stuff. It wasn't even really that swollen. Really? Yeah, it really wasn't that swollen. And and our our wonderful medics, um, Corey and um, oh shit, what's his name? Da- da- Damon. Yep. Um, came out. Um, I actually had texted them, and um, they came out to where I was having breakfast the next morning, and just kind of looked at it, poked around, oh, and that's so nice um, of them. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really great, and it was reassuring, you know, for them to because I mean, if it seemed like something really serious, then I was wondering, like, should I actually go see a, you know, should I go to the doctor or should I not? I didn't know if they were going to let me go on this float trip, <laughs> you know, being like showing up being immobile. But since we had picked a float trip that would also accommodate my seven-year-old nephew, there you go. You know, that I helps. Didn't really need to, I, yeah. And, and the, the guides were those guides were great too. They just would like carry me off the boat and like place <laughs> me on the chair. It was they were so great. So yeah, so Damon and, and yeah, they were just like you know, it's just some tendons that are swollen up and whatever and or whatever and you know, they. I was happy to hear that you know they didn't think I'd like broken anything or like my kneecap yeah. hadn't expelled or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, that's good. I don't. But it, you know, I was just gonna say, and I mean, I wrote this in the in the blog too. It's like you know, after the fact, you know, and I come out here to my music festival, and people are like, oh my god, what's wrong with you? And and then they're like, yeah, there's a name for that. You're an idiot. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, having been through it, it's like it's it didn't. You know, the pain doesn't get that bad until the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that I was messing myself up, and it really made me think, look back to last year, you know, that when I was really, I was severely troubled last year by, you know, some of the people who were not feeling well and continuing to go and then, like, you know, passing out and stuff. And I was thinking, like, what would compel somebody to keep moving if they felt so bad? And because you, you want to think that you're not going to do that, yeah, you know, you want to think that you're going to stop before you get into a life-threatening situation. Um, actually, so I guess my conclusion here is not that reassuring because <laughs> I just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> well, damn it. Well, it's like you don't know until you're put in that situation, and you don't, yeah. you probably don't even realize you're getting into that situation until it's already there, and then you're like, oh no what just yeah. happened <laughs> so yeah, i mean because like the guy like this guy shane last year um he was he was he would love this guy he was so cool and his wife was one of the volunteers she worked at the aid stations and so he's this guy from australia he's actually a politician which is cool and you know of course he had all similar kind of politics than i as i do so i loved him even more um and then you know he was like yeah on the first day he puked and then on, on the during the second day that super long exposed day the 39 one he actually he got pulled because he was within five minutes of the end and he was running, you know, with the other leader really strong. And then suddenly he just didn't feel well. And then Bill, my bill came across him and talked to him and, and he could tell he was not coherent and, wow. you know, Bill, Bill sent the med over. So, I mean, it sounded like it happened pretty fast. That's like scary. he was feeling fine and he was, I mean, an experienced runner. Yeah. I I'm mean, glad I'm hearing he, about these stories after the fact. You you need to read the blog from last I'm year. I'm going to. I already I just pulled up stage one. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me. I was freaked <laughs> out. And the thing is, you know, and already I you know, there's a part of me that is I mean, I love being outside in the mountains and I like the physical challenge, I guess, but you know, there's a part of me that's 
you know, this whole idea of like, we're all so privileged that we need to like create some intense experience to try to overcome by running a hundred miles. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a thing that like rich people do or something. I don't know. It kind of, it's weird. It's, it's a little bit funny to me. Um, you know, this, this sport, um, even though I, I like the experience of being on the edge myself, there, there's, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. just, it's just a little bit, you know, it's like, that's kind of like if, if you want to have, I don't know, sometimes I feel guilty. I just, I feel. It's like you guilty. feel privileged because you're able to My, put yourself in a hard situation and not like that you're put in a hard situation just yeah. by life, I guess. Right. Like, yeah, like my life is so comfortable that I need to create a yeah. situation that like this. But um, I, I think it's so good for your mindset and your mentality. Huh. And yeah. I don't know, for me, it brings peace to my life because I'm just like, then it helps me understand. Because I think honestly, like, even if people are completely comfortable, if if they're not going through hard experiences, whether that's like on purpose or not on purpose, but if they're not, then they start making up hard, hard experiences yeah. where like all of a yeah. sudden, like, not getting your way at a restaurant is like the hardest thing and you're all mad and like stuff. Does that well, make sense? Well, it's funny that you should, yeah, it's funny that you should use that as a example because that's kind of exactly what I feel like travel, just travel in general. Like, I mean, this is all fairly new for me, but independent travel, you know, with my backpack on my bike with my tent is, yeah. you know, and to, to developing countries is something that I've, I really feel has changed me as a person. And yeah, and like I, if I'm in line at the grocery store and the person in front of me is taking a long time, like I just, that does not upset me yeah, <laughs> when exactly. I read about people who get freaked out and upset about that or people who get road rage while they're driving. Like, I just don't want to be around that. Yeah. So I think that the, I, I do agree that there's something about having these experiences that makes you just kind of chill more in your regular life and things don't bother you as much and you don't need as much. And yeah, you don't get bent out of shape if you, can't take a shower every day or if, if the hotel <laughs> yeah. you're staying at isn't perfect like i yeah i go on tour with my symphony orchestra and they, we stay in the ridiculous expensive <laughs> hotels that i know i mean they're beautiful yeah. and then somebody's complaining because like, you know oh. there's a hair in their sink and yeah. they need a new room i'm like really Just you know you should, see the, you should see the place i stayed in like ecuador you know there was like a I lay on the floor and yeah. whatever yeah. um well that's awesome and sue yeah. like yeah. I where can I send people to read the blog because your blog is really good you're really funny uh, and like you said the experiences are definitely pretty intense so uh, where can people find that okay so all they're going to need to do is be able to spell my name okay so it's <laughs> sueheineman.com now okay. Heineman is spelled kind of like Heineken the beer uh -huh. except instead of k-e-n at the end it's m-a-n that's perfect that's so you go to sueheineman.com <laughs> yeah and then you'll see like there's links for some bassoon stuff and then a little bit for pets and then you see adventure and then there's a drop down and that's I think awesome. desert grass is the first thing and the other stuff kind of links to other bike blogs that I've done. And, you know, if you get bored sometime, you can uh, check out my trip to, to Ethiopia. I that love was that. Super intense also. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, thank you so much for doing yeah. this. It's been really awesome. I'm glad you can walk again. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciated running with you. Yeah, it was really fun. I look forward to listening to all the uh, other interviews. Uh, thank you. Okay, cool. Yep, we'll see you. All right. Thank you so much, Sue, for sharing. That was awesome. You're awesome. Uh, her husband, Bill, rode the thing on his bike the whole way. So, And I'm impressed by that because 
as someone who, you know, kind of got into mountain biking after this race, imagining some of those parts and just the mileage and the heat on a mountain bike is, uh, is pretty incredible. Uh, next up we have Jeff Knackle and Jeff is, was also returning, uh, veteran coming back from a few years, actually. I think this was him and his wife, Teresa's third time doing the desert rats race. Uh, Teresa was preparing for Bigfoot, not Bigfoot, excuse me, Tahoe 200. And both of them were preparing for this really cool three day, uh, run around the Wonderland trail, which is, uh, the trail that takes you completely around Mount Rainier. Um, just an awesome guy, incredible athlete. I learned so much from both him and Teresa during the race and really saw them just, they just worked so well as a team. It was very impressive to me. Well, and I loved, I ran with you guys um, for probably only like four or five miles of it in the second day. And it was so fun talking to you. And I learned so much just like, just about heat training in general, because you guys, you know, you came into the race as uh, two people who have done it two of the previous years, you know? So it was, it was really neat for me to be able to kind of like hear your guys' advice and try to apply all those, all those things. So thank you for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, when you're thinking back, so you've done this a couple of years and if you're thinking back to this year, how did it compare to the years previous? You know, the, I think the, um, the, the two years previous um, were, were a lot hotter. You know, we went in and Reed gives you a little speech at the beginning and he says, you know, some years are hot and some years are really hot. <laughs> and, and this year he said, this year is just hot. <laughs> and, and he was right. You know, it was hot. We went out there and it was, it was difficult and, and there were some difficult sections and, and I can actually, I had a, a, a temperature sensor on the back of my pack that read to my watch. I, I could tell you what, you know, the maximums were on, on that for each day. But, um, the year before the, the two years before he said, now this is a really unusual year. And the second year, this is a really, this is another really unusual year. <laughs> I mean, we had, we had temperatures as hot as like, you know, 120, 130 out there, Dang. which is what my temperature sensor said. It's almost hard to believe that that actually happened, you know, but, but that's what the, the, the sensor read. And, and, um, you know, it, we were a lot slower just because you couldn't, you couldn't run in that kind of heat. Even, even this year I had some problems in a couple of places. Um, so, you know, it was, it was the, the first year, um, it was so hot that you know, we finished the second day and I started and, and I felt okay. But when I went to bed, I started cramping and I, and I actually fainted. It, the cramping was so bad. And, uh, you know, the next day the doctors, you know, they, they got me revived and everything. And they, the next day they said, Hey, okay, you're fine to go. And I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? I, you know, I passed out. I've never done before. I says, I'm not, I'm not going to run and, and Teresa wasn't feeling well that year either so we both you know didn't do the third day of course Reed is you know he's down there trying to say you know, just do this day just just walk it if you have to but just do it and we're like no we're, we're done we're, we're cooked so 
Um, we went back the second year thinking, okay, hey, we, we've got to try to, we got to try to finish this because it's, you know, we've never had something that we couldn't do. So that was kind of cool, right? You're like, hey, I found where the line is. I found my limit. And um, so let's go back and do it again. The second year we, you know, it was just as hot, but we were a little smarter and we, you know, we knew what we were up against. So we, we were able to finish. You know, this year we went in, it was, it was kind of interesting. Each year has been a little bit different crowd. And you kind of get that same feeling every year um, of, of coming together as, as sort of a tribe. You know, that feeling you were talking about of, hey, there's there's suffering out there. And, and you know, if you just tell people about this, they wouldn't understand. They think. Oh, I lost you for a second, Jeff. Hello? Hey, I lost you for a second. Are you there now? Yeah, I got you back. <laughs> you were saying, okay. um, you know, if you told people about this race uh, and then you cut out. Okay, well, you, you know, you were, you, about, you were talking about that at the end, and I think you hit it, hit it right on the head, right? If you were to tell people what this race is like, you know, you would explain the heat and the distance and they'd say, oh my God, that sounds like just complete suffering. That's awful. Why would you, why would you do that? But when you're, you know, when you're done, that's not really what you remember. You remember the, you know, the people and how everybody came together and the supportive atmosphere and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and really it's how we come together as a tribe over the course of a week. Is, is what I called it. Yeah. Um, have you ever have you read the, ever read the book um, Tribe by Sebastian Junger? I I have not, but I'm very interested in that concept, especially after coming out of this week and actually experiencing it. And I think that is yeah, like yeah. such an, a wonderful word to describe what happened. Right. Right. So yeah, go go read that book because what he writes about in that book is. Uh, I think it was soldiers in Afghanistan or something. And same kind of thing. They go to Afghanistan and it's horrible. You know, people are shooting at you and there's bombs going off. And and uh, people would, these guys would come back and they'd say, hey, I, I want to re-up and, and go do another tour. And they're like, why would you do that? And, and he talks about that a little bit in this book. And it's this people coming together in a supportive atmosphere as, as a tribe. And... You know, I had I had done Desert Rats after I read the book, and I and you know I came out of there. I'm like, holy cow, that's that's what just happened to us. That that was really cool. That was really interesting to feel to feel that happen. And that's what I told people when I went back the second year. I said, you know, I want to go back and try to figure out why that happened. And uh, we're just enjoying, right? So. Um, What's been interesting is, is each of the three years we've done it, the group has been a little bit different. The group dynamic has been a little bit different, but that same, that same thing happened. Everybody came together, you know, you're all cheering for everybody to finish. You're helping people that are, are struggling. Uh, you know, you're learning from people who are good at it. Um, all that stuff was just really, is, is really fun every year we've done it. So I, I, I kind of recommend people try to do it more than once because um you, you really get a sense year after year of, of of how that 
that evolves and that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, like after, you know, I've talked to a few people from the race, you know, and this is a couple weeks later and that's the thing that, especially a lot of us, a lot of us who haven't done it before, like the newbies, that was the thing we walked away with too. And it's just like, wow, like that was such a powerful sense that everybody had, um, that it's something like everyone I've talked to has, has mentioned or felt. Right. Right. Which is so cool. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, can we talk real quick, like doing the race this year? First of all, you guys just did incredibly well, but the thing I'll remember is, um, you talked about, you know, years previous, the second day you woke up in the middle of the night in the tent and passed out. Um, and then not running the third day. And this year you kind of had a rough, like into your second day, but then, (laughs) but then seeing you, seeing you the next day, like in the morning at breakfast and then getting ready to go for the nine mile day and then just kicking so much butt was super inspiring to me. That's a, you know, and I was going to ask you about that because I, I wondered, because I, I think you finished right before us on the, yeah. or at least right before me. I think, so we got to the end of that second day and, and, you know, we had run a little faster than we did in the past because it was a little bit cooler, but it was still hot. And, uh, you know, our goal was to get to that road at the end. And there's like that, I don't know, was it three or four miles down that road to the finish? Yeah. And, and we wanted to, we wanted to run that part. So we got to that part and we started running and I immediately just really cramped up badly and Teresa was ready to go. So I, I told her, Hey, you just go, just go and, you know, finish strong and, and I'll, I'll make it in. And I got in and I was like, ah, I don't really feel that good. And then, you know, I went over to the side and, and my stomach was really upset. I think I, I dry heaved a little bit and I thought, Oh man, what do these guys all think of that? Did you, did you guys all look at me and say, I don't know if you saw that, but, um, do you think oh my god that guy he's done he's cooked i didn't think you were cooked just because we had talked earlier in the day about how you know you had felt bad at the end of this day but you were able to rebound but you know i we were all like man i I, we were like i hope he's okay because you were like throwing up or and then you they laid you down for for pretty much the rest of the night, if I remember right. Yeah, it was most of the evening. I think I, I was just kind of lying down through through dinner, and I'm th- I'm over there thinking, oh my god, this is bad. I, I need to get calories into my system because I haven't really eaten anything since I since I finished, which is is not a good thing. And uh, but man, I just didn't feel good, and I wasn't feeling any better. And finally, Lorenzo came over and he handed me these two pills two little white pills and a Tums. And he said, here, these are just electrolyte pills. Try it. Try this and see if it works. And I don't know what it was, but 10 minutes later, I felt a thousand percent better. I'm like, Lorenzo, what, you know, what were those pills? And I'm thinking he's got these fancy, some fancy doctor thing in his bag, you know? And uh, he says, oh, no, they're just some pills I got at REI. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, I think that what they thought was my just a strange uh, electrolyte balance thing, even, you know, I was probably low on, I was probably a little dehydrated, a little bit low on electrolytes, but they thought my potassium was probably 
um, out of out of whack with my other electrolytes because I had been taking salt pills and you know uh, I thought I was on a pretty good scheduled plan for for my you know, nutrition and hydration and electrolytes but I guess I just got it wrong I got a little off off and you know I got it straightened out and and but that is one of the amazing things that you that I learned about myself right was that you could feel that bad and and rebound by the next morning and actually run fairly well I mean I, I started out slow and didn't feel that great but um as I was running, I started feeling a little bit better and, and uh, finished with, you know, within what I had uh, picked for a goal time for the day. So I was I was really happy with that. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show like we're I think people don't if they haven't experienced it, they might not understand. But we're really pliable and you can you can kind of slingshot between feeling terrible and then feeling great during these races even even within the same day right? yeah yeah because i had times when i was like oh man i'm i don't know if i'm gonna make it to well so that's what happened to me the fourth day then right so um we ran pretty good up to the second aid station the onion creek which is at 17 miles um but coming out of that i don't know the heat just hammered me yeah and and that was the hottest part i how, on my, yeah, how hot my did it get? I didn't even know. For a, my temperature sensor for a good part of that area from Onion Creek almost all the way to the next aid station was between 104 and 113 degrees. Wow, man. I knew it was super hot. I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I passed uh, uh, Mikey and Amy. They were... They were hiding under a tree for a little while and i said you guys want to know how hot it is and mikey's like no i don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> so i just kept going <laughs> yeah that's so true i wouldn't have wanted to know either to be honest <laughs> amy amy said yeah i really wanted to know but mikey said no don't tell us so i was like okay i'm not gonna tell you and i just kept going but, that's hilarious um, yeah so I was just really struggling in that heat and, and I was at a fast walk and the same thing happened, you know, Teresa was feeling a little better. So I just said, Hey, and our, our deal was, you know, the, the short days, I say short days, the three shorter days, um, we, we didn't plan on running together. We just said, Hey, just go run, run as fast as you can go do your own thing. For the long days, we said, Hey, for the first half, we'll stick together and, and help each other with navigation and pacing and that kind of thing. She's a better pacer than me. And I'm, a, I'm probably a better navigator than her. Uh, so we, so we like to work together, but, um, she was feeling better. So I said, Hey, just, you go and just go do what you can do. And I was walking. And, and at one point I was thinking, Oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just, I'm going to have to just go a steady pace and just try to finish this day. Uh, but when we got to the, the top of the hill, that last aid station, and I got a little more food, and the sun was starting to go down, so it was cooling off, and, you know, the, the temperature actually did cool off at the end there, and I started running down that road, and I started feeling better, and I started, you know, started running a little faster. Of course, it's downhill, right? So, um, but then I was stretching my legs out, and I'm running a little faster and I'm starting to push it pretty soon. I'm down to like eight minute miles. I'm thinking, Holy cow, where's this coming from? So, um, 
I said, well, let's see if I can run a sub eight minute mile. Well, it turns out like the last two miles on that road, I ran like 730 pace wow. miles. That's awesome. At the end of 41 like, miles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hadn't been running all day. It was kind of what I thought. But, but yeah, it's like, how could I feel so bad a couple hours ago? And now I'm running faster than I run a marathon <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah. And I, and I actually caught Teresa probably, I don't know, an eighth of a mile from the end. And I said, do you want to run in? She's like, I can't run that fast, just go. So, so I went in, and she finished one minute behind me, right? So <laughs> yeah. that just shows you how close we are and, and at, at, at longer distances, like about 40 miles, we're probably about the same pace. I, run, I start out a little faster, but she paces a little better, and at 40 miles, we come back together. And that's exactly what happened that day. So that was, <laughs> that was really fun. It was fun for us. And, yeah. And uh, – so you you guys, there were a couple of you. In fact, especially you, you did a great job on day four. You just I felt amazing. Of, yeah, almost out of character with the other days, right? You were just way faster. I think what happened was I was concerned that I wasn't going to be able to recover. Speaking of like being able to rebound, I, I like I was a little concerned after day two that you know, that was such a long distance. And I've, you know, usually in the past I've ran a 50 K or a long day, and then I'll take a few days off or like a week off, you know? And so I was a little concerned that my legs wouldn't be able to, you know, come back. And then they did. And I was like, Oh, apparently this is going to work. <laughs> so, so yeah. And then day four, I was like, I just want to, I don't know. I just felt, I felt really good the whole day to be honest. Yeah. That's, that's great in that heat. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, living at that altitude and, and dealing with that heat sometimes. Like yeah. You're, you live in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. definitely, I mean, yeah. And our air conditioner went out before the race. So I was like, heat training, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're from Seattle. So we're, yeah. Uh, I say we're we're sea level weather wimps. Yeah, <laughs> not wimps at all. Are you kidding me? So we so we live at we live at sea level, right? So we we and, and you know we go in the mountains, but that gets us to like six thousand feet. But you just do that occasionally. And uh, but you know the temperature in Seattle in the in the winter it it might get below forty, and summer it might get above eighty. Yeah. So you know, it's a pretty narrow, narrow range of temperatures that we're used to operating in. So you go down there, and you know it's eighty-five to one hundred and ten degrees, and, uh, and and we struggle in that. Yes, it's hard to get a lot of heat acclimation. But, excuse me before you get there. So well, so what? Real quick, just to kind of wrap this up, since you guys did teach me a lot about managing the heat. Um, since you did those two like ridiculously hot years, can you give a couple tips really quick? Like when it's, when it's above 110 degrees, like how do you, how do you stay cool? Well, I, I think it's more just about paying attention to your body, right? And not pushing too hard. Yeah. You know, you, you get, you, you you'll know how hard you can push. You run run as fast as you can or walk as fast as you can, but if you start to get dizzy, back it off, right? Because if you don't, you're, you're going to go over the edge. You're going to go past that tipping point, and, and you're going to get pulled from the race. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what, that's what happened the second year. Um, 
we started out and there were there were three guys that were faster than me and i thought okay cool there you know i don't have to worry about being on the podium because those guys are just going to duke it out up there and they were they were really pushing hard well it turns out they pushed too hard and two of them ended up dropping out wow Right. So and that's kind of something that can happen in this race. And it is a race, right? I mean, as much as we're working for each other and yeah. encouraging each other, it's still, it's still fun because it's, there's that race element that's still there. Um, but yeah, we would, um, you know, just put ice in a bandana and put it around your neck, put some ice in your hat, um, wear, wear the arm sleeves and, and gloves even. Uh, with the cooling material on them and just keep that as wet as you can carry a little extra water a lot of people would carry an extra water bottle that was primarily for spraying on their on their shirt and their and their arms yeah and just try to just try to keep uh your skin cool what i a lot of what i've read is it's it's more about if you can keep your skin cool the rest of your body will feel good because you know then you know your body's cooling itself off when your skin starts getting hot you know, the rest of your body can't, isn't going to be able to cool itself off. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's just the thing. I think in the years past, uh, they were a little bit more liberal with the ice. They were, uh, and maybe it was just because we were more towards the back of the pack this year that, uh, or that they were rationing the ice a little bit, but, um, yeah, we, I think we used a lot more ice in years past. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like you put the ice on those points of your body where it's able to cool you guys. Like when you, like Teresa said, put it in your hat and doing that, like that ice actually would stay cold for at least 40 minutes or a half an hour. Yeah. And it would just melt yeah. all over my face. It felt great. Yeah. Or you stick it just in the front of your shirt. Right. And, um, like I have the straps on my pack and I would just stick it in my shirt and it would land between those two straps on my pack and it would kind of cool your chest off. Ooh, nice. That yeah. Felt, that felt good to me too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and talking with me. Next up is, uh, the third place person in this race, uh, Jay Lee and Jay, had never done anything this far before he had never took taken on this distance uh but he's been around ultra running he's been around some of the craziest endurance events uh that people could actually witness um jay crewed sandra v on her record-breaking transcontinental run across the united states in 2017 uh he's been around ultra running he's he recently helped Katra after Desert Rats, Katra Corbett. He helped her, um, crewed her on her FKT, like 310 miles on the John Muir Ramble route. Uh, just an awesome dude. And I got to say, man, like I was so impressed by his running. So unbelievably impressed. He, he just seemed like, he just seemed like he, nothing was going to stop him. Like, he didn't ever seem like he was in pain, and I'm sure he was <laughs> at points, but I never saw it, man. He was he was just driven uh, and fast. So uh, here's our interview with Jay. I will tell you in a few weeks, um, we will be reconnecting with him as we talk, uh, do a podcast basically about what it takes to crew somebody um, in many different ways, but, but we kind of focus on 
Sandy V and her running across the United States. And yeah. I listened to some of it. Once I got back, I was like, I totally wish I had listened to it because I wouldn't have felt so like alone in like the panic and like yeah, you know, worrying about bringing a knife to a gunfight. Or something, you know? <laughs> that was the thing, man. And. I'm like, I know now if I went back and listened to him, I would just be like, so I would cringe so much at like, oh man, like I can't believe that I thought this or whatever. But, but yeah, like when I talked to Phil right before we went, that's all it was, was me and him just panicking and being like, oh shit, are we going to be able to do this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had had the advantage of of kind of being, having Katra as a sounding, sounding board, but I mean, she had a, tough experience last year and so i mean everything she said would just like make me even more scared you know? like this is this is the most unforgiving desert like this is worse than marathon to sob and that's, yeah. I mean, that's the sahara desert and that's crazy and, like that's man. the world you know everyone knows about that desert yeah no exactly and i yeah i just just got done talking to sue and her stories from last year i'm like oh my god i'm glad i didn't know about these until right now <laughs> yeah that's that's what I was basing off of basically because Catra was just like, it was, I mean, I, I, I hear last year they had like 110 degree temps like every single day. Dang man. Which is just ridiculous. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, from my perspective, you destroyed this race. Like you did so amazing. It, I feel like I was the whole day, the whole time I was like, I don't even think Jay Lee's tired. No, I was I was definitely tired. Um, yeah, I mean the first day was just a huge shock. I mean that, like I had gone out thinking that I was running, you know, twenty miles. I think for most of us that were out there is like that that's doable, right? Like that's yeah. not anything that's out of our our capabilities. And I thought I was taking it, you know, pretty easy that first day. And then like after like twelve miles, like I was like starting to get leg cramps, which was just the weirdest thing because you know I I run further and faster with no water and had no issues with cramps so you know that that was a scary moment yeah what why do you think why do you think that happened um i mean i well one you know the altitude and the and the, the dry heat but i can't remember who said it kind of in the first day they they said you know you don't have to you know chug down a ton of water just because you're in the desert you know you just kind of drink to, you know if your mouth gets a little dry take a sip of water and, and quench that little dryness but i i kind of tried to follow that the first stage because you know i think it was one of the medics that said it during the, the speech in the beginning and so you know i was like well they you know they're experienced and and they they know and so i tried to do that and i, I think that's kind of what got me the first day yeah and um you know after that, i was just like i'm just gonna drink as much, as much water as i can yeah i uh, and i increased and then i changed my like the electrolyte plan too like before i was taking those salt caps like every hour i'd actually changed it to every half hour too so yeah man so yeah what was your kind of game plan going in uh just not to die (laughs) me too (laughs) yeah uh yeah i mean that's basically i mean just to finish um you know it's kind of nice to hear reed say you know if you can get past the second day and start the third day um 
like you're going to be statistically you'll be okay and and that's kind of what i figured going into it just like okay day one like that's it's it's not easy but you know it's doable right and then you got to be able to get day two done with because day two was 38 or 39 miles yeah i think and then you know then the long day was just three miles more so um just kind of knowing like okay if i can get through day two like i'll have a nine day, a nine mile day which is you know you can just kind of take that easy and then and then do the expedition stage which was you know pretty much the same as day two a little bit longer a little bit more climbing but from what people have said you know we'll be climbing so it'll be a little bit cooler once we get to the you know up in the mountains and then gets hot again but yeah man. yeah i mean my game plan was really the, the focus on getting past day two and then um and healthy and, and be able to keep going from there yeah that was i dude i feel like we have a lot in common because that was my same concern and i was concerned as to whether or not like i would be my legs would be able to recover after day two yeah but yeah. which yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah which which day did you find the hardest then um let's say either day one or the expedition stage okay and that the expedition stage i think was was manageable except what made it really difficult was the um the aid stations were so far apart and i think we only had three or four that yeah, whole day that whole entire day <laughs> yeah like two 12 mile stretches and that second one i had run out of water and i was still like a mile and a half from the aid station when i ran out so i, I had like a slight panic in me but you know i was able to kind of just get through that yeah how did how did you feel during the uh the day two because i know i remember talking to you about day one and the cramping because i had almost the same thing happen where that was the only day i really cramped up but i i don't remember talking to you much about day two so what was that like for you uh day two like i it was kind of unfamiliar grounds like i had run a like 40 miles in like um like a six hour race but it was like a one mile loop and that was pretty much the only other time that i've ran like 40 miles like on my own at my own pace like i've i've run with friends that have run 40 miles but that's you know it's a little bit different because it's someone else's pace and um you know you're, you're kind of there for them so it really distracts you so i was pretty nervous about about that day um i think what happened was at sometime during the night of the first day I was talking to Thomas and he was telling me how, you know, he's run a lot of these, he's done a few stage races, a few like, uh, like the two hundreds. And so my plan really was for day two was just to stick with Thomas. I just yeah. like stayed behind him probably like, with an eyesight until I got to probably, you know, I think like 15 miles left just cause I was like, okay, if I stick with this guy, like I know he knows what he's doing. He's pacing himself. Yeah. Um, and and just stick with him, I'll be okay. And then once I get into more familiar like grounds, I would just kind of you know see if I if I had it in me, I'd just kind of take off from there. So that was, that was my strategy for for day two. That's awesome, man. It's funny because Thomas was such a good teacher, and I was like, man, yeah. I just he I don't his I mean his strategies totally worked for pacing yourself and 
and pacing yourself in a way to be really successful though too um which was yeah. super cool and then of course just the way the way he is he's just like the nicest most like open dude about his strategies and you know it, it helped me out yeah. too man and i think i think that was a cool aspect of the races in in any ultra really but especially this one is the more like veteran racers sharing their knowledge and wisdom yeah i mean yeah even ryan i mean he sat he took the time like every single day to just kind of give a little pep talk and you know what he remembers yeah. about the course and he remembers that thing, that course so well which he is does, just which, amazing too yeah he's like remember okay once you get to this corner just slow down and just enjoy the view don't forget about that <laughs> like okay <laughs> yeah man yeah well that's it's amazing man that you you hadn't ran like really far distances before that's amazing to me because then seeing you out on the course like you just you seemed really confident with your plan and it seemed like everything was going pretty well yeah well i mean i i have some advantage just because like um last year i had crewed a friend that ran across the country which is kind of what got me into this race like got me curious about the stage race just because you know i've seen someone run multiple days and for her I, she averaged i think over the course of 54 days about 57 miles per day oh so gosh. i kind of had <laughs> i had that advantage going in just like okay i've seen this done right like i've seen someone do this i've helped someone do this so i mean i had I had that going for me going into it i just never done it myself yeah that's nice because once you see someone you know doing something incredible you kind of like well you know i surely i can do something similar you know yeah i mean this was much on a much lower scale but i mean i from for her from her experience i mean i saw her body break down but then get stronger you know and and i knew you know this was just a week so our, our body will kind of break down um you know a couple of days in but it starts getting stronger again and we're not we're not doing you know, over 50 miles every single day. Yeah. So I, I kind of figured, you know, just let our, let the body recover. Cause I mean, really what was good about having like such a great group of people is made it really easy just to sit there and do nothing. Like we would just sit in the shade and, and talk and like, it just made it easy to rest. Yeah, you know? definitely. Well, and then that was kind of surprising too, is I came home and I was like, I'm really good at just sitting around in the shade right now. <laughs> like I've trained up on how to just sit here in the shade. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, when else can you really do that? Like even, you know, now that I'm back, it's like, I, I don't sit still for more than like five minutes. No, me neither. Yeah, I know. And it's the same exact thing. Like exactly. I, that was maybe a part of the race that I'm not giving enough credence to is just, stripping away everything that you usually have to do your whole to-do list and just focusing on one thing. And then when you're not doing the running part, you really don't have anything else to do, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's something that, um, we, you kind of overlook just the amount of rest we, we get. Cause we're really off our legs except, you know, when we walk to the tent yeah. from the shade to the tent to get our bowls to eat, and then sit. <laughs> <laughs> you're right man so what's uh like what was like the highest moment for you what was your like when looking back what was one of your top like most favorite moments 
I would say, there there's a few. I mean, on the first day when I had cramped, uh, Amanda actually ended up catching up to me. And, and she basically just, like, stuck with me. I, I think we probably had, like, two miles left. And I, I know she had slowed down to, you know, just run with me. And I, I thought that was really nice. Um, you know, just to, and then to have someone to, to run with for a couple miles. And she even uh, gave me one of her electrolyte pills. I was telling her about the cramps. She was like, oh, well, you can try the, uh, I think she had noon. And so she gave me one of her things. I just dropped it in my in my bottle. Um, I thought that was really nice just for her to slow down because she was, she was picking up the pace. Like she was, I can tell she was feeling really, really good. And she had a lot of energy to, to go a lot faster. So I thought that was yeah. nice of her. That's awesome, man. Um, and that, yeah. And then, um, also on the very last day when Sue was coming in, um, when she turned on, you know, remember how people are coming down that turn down the little hill and then like, you know, that's when we first see the person coming in and, Amanda was actually running with, with Sue to bring her in, which I thought was super cool. I didn't even notice that Amanda had left. Yeah. And, you know, we were all kind of waiting on Sue to, to come in. You know, she was, the last, she was the last one that day. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was awesome, man. That's so cool. Um, dude, I, I seriously at some point want to sit down and record an entire podcast with you about your experiences crewing people because it's like it's mind-blowing to me because you got done with this race and then four days later Katra did this crazy like 350 mile like self-made adventure basically and you were her crew it's so cool yeah yeah that yeah that was that was a ton of fun that was that was a lot of that was hard work too <laughs> but yeah it was, uh, it was me me and uh, another guy named Dave um we, we got to crew her and, and her boyfriend Phil came out for a few days too. So yeah, that, that was definitely an adventure of its own too. Like we're, how'd uh, you hope, feel? Like, how'd you feel after doing desert rats and then a few days, less than a week later, like trying to uh, give all your energy to someone else, you know? Yeah. Um, definitely could have used a little bit more rest. Like the first, Two days I didn't run with her as much just because we were closer to home um so my sister had come, come out and um ran, ran with her Dave had ran with her um but then I think it was the third day we were going through um one of the state parks here which we wouldn't where which we couldn't have a crew car with us so I was with her on foot um going through this this park and it was like supposed to it was about like 20 to 25 miles long but like both me and her had really underestimated that that part of the trail or that part of the route because it was it became like a moment of survival out there like really? where it became like you know, where this is just a run and then it became like okay well let's just try to survive right now because it was like you know coming from desert rats we we're thinking okay well heat's not going to get us um but i mean we were i don't i think the park was like 25 miles inside the park and there was no aid stations or anything. And so we're, we had filters for water, but yeah, like it, it made us real, at least it made me really appreciate like the little aid stations that we had during desert rats. Yeah. They just make such a big difference. Like if we had at least one, we, me and Kat were saying, if we just had one aid station out in the middle of this park, like this run would not have felt so like grueling. Yeah. Wow, man. She's a beast. Like, 
she's um, incredible. It's it's insane what she's able to accomplish. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, it's just great to be a part of that too. I mean, I I I feel like I got more out of it than she did. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it it was yeah that was a great experience. Hopefully, yeah. to to find someone that would actually do an adventure like that and then to to be asked to be part of the team. I mean, for me, I kind of see it more like it's more of an honor that, you know, I get to join that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not every day you find someone that's going to say, Hey, I kind of found this route. (laughs) You know, I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's all, you know, the route that we're following is correct, but you do you want to come? Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That rocks, man. That's so cool. But cool, man. Well, thank you for sharing on here today. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll try to get back at you at some point in the future. Yeah, for sure. Last but definitely not least on our Desert Rats race report um, is really the heart of the Desert Rats community. Uh, one of the best guys in the whole wide world. Uh, his name's John Graham. He was one of our aid station uh, helpers, volunteers, and he's been with Desert Rats for a few years now. And let me tell you, this guy, when you're in the desert and you're, you haven't seen human beings for a few hours <laughs> and you get to the top of this hill and you see John there and he's waiting there with the big smile and he's waiting there with some jokes and something to cheer you up, man. Like, I wouldn't want to see another person at that point. Like, he is the best guy, the most optimistic, positive, cheerful guy. Um, used to be a, a old middle school teacher, so we connected a lot with that. Uh, he's a current Moab resident who he just loves. He loves being with desert rats. He loves hanging and helping out and and supporting people and pushing them towards their goal, which, you know, if you ask the people who competed in this race, that's what we came away with, the the wanting to help everybody out. So uh, can't think of a better person to wrap up this podcast, wrap up our coverage of this event uh, than John. So guys, enjoy. I enjoyed doing it, and uh, you know, as you know, uh, there's a magic uh, behind the, the rats, and uh, and also, uh, uh, you know, I thought you captured it perfectly on your uh, hundredth episode. <laughs> thank you, that. thank you. Yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was great. So. Yeah, thank you. It's, it really was just such a wonderful experience from just everybody, yeah. like every single person involved. So I wanted to ask you, so. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, how many years have you been with the race? I mean, I've been with the race six years. Okay. Um, uh, Tyler and I started it the same year. And I cooked for the first three years that I worked it. And then they wanted me to come back out and, uh, um, you know, just make a kind of cameo appearance. And I said, no, no, give me something else to do. Yeah. So they said, well, what about an aid station? And I thought, oh, yeah, aid station. You know, you go out for a couple of hours, and then you get to hang around camp and stuff like that. So sign me up. Because, as you know, uh, sometimes I've worked from uh, 6.30 in the morning until 
10, 15 at night, <laughs> uh, on the, especially on the long day. But, you know, I do enjoy it, and the people are so wonderful. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about your uh, last podcast there, and you captured rats, rats perfectly. Um, the interesting thing about being there for six years is we know how it evolves, you know, especially with a great group. We know that by Wednesday, you know, you're going to be really tight. And by Thursday, you know, the whole group is going to be in love. And, uh, you know, deservedly so. It is a yeah. magic experience. And, you know, it's like people going to uh, camp, you know, adults going to camp that, you know, happens to have that racing side on it, uh, you know, as well. And, uh, you know, the, the, all the, you know, going back, uh, many of the aides and, and, and other people, the medical people and stuff like that, you know, you just uh, grow to care about them and they're so competent and, uh, you know, it's really a joy to, to work with an organization that uh, puts something more like that and you don't excessively worry, although I always worry something, something always happens. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the nature of the sport. Yeah, definitely. Well, I thought the coolest part is when I've done races in the past, you know, I love getting into aid stations and, and seeing every like, but it's always people I don't know mm -hmm. really. And then mm -hmm. after, by the end of the race this time, it's like, you've been hanging around camp with everybody. It doesn't matter if you were a racer or if you were part of the crew, everyone's just right. hanging around together. And so, right. you know, you pull into, I think it was the last day and the aid station up at the top of that super long hill and you're just <laughs> you're just genuinely excited to see everybody. Oh well, you know that is such a bittersweet moment for me up there because it's my last aid station. Yeah, I'm letting you folks go on without me, type of stuff. That's a high, you know that's high duty for me up there. Uh, you know because we grow to care about you folks as well too. Yeah, and uh, so that's why uh, you know when I checked your attitude. Spirit up there, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I really meant it because they've given me no direction sheet of, you know, they usually say check the compass or whatever. Uh, so <clears throat> when, uh, when there was nothing there, I said, well, here's what we're going with. And you saw it worked out perfect. And uh, it was genuine, you know, as I say, it's uh, a hard moment for <laughs> letting you folks go up there. Uh, but I know. What a great course it is from there down. You know, you're yeah. entering glorious territory. You're almost home. You've done this darn thing. And it's, you know, one of the truly, uh, one of the most beautiful roads that there is to go down. So, yeah. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, definitely. Well, so what do you think? just at an aid, like what makes a good aid station? Cause I thought you guys did such an amazing job and it wasn't necessarily the food, although that was delicious and the water is great, mm -hmm. but like, it's just, I guess the spirit. So how do you, how do you create that? I guess. Well, uh, one of the things, uh, you know, sometimes we sit for an hour or two in a very hot spot. Mm -hmm. Um, without anybody coming in. And so you get to know the crew or, you know, two of the, two of the medical people um, were from last year. And of course, on the first day, I know that because everything's so hectic, none of the crew uh, gets lunch. 
And so I said, no, I'm not going out there without lunch. And so, you know, you're not going out for lunch for one. And so uh, Jennifer cooked up the shredded pork last year and some coleslaw and homemade buns. And so when, you know, you're in the aid tent <laughs> and you offer these people out in the middle of the desert, you know, basically a deli sandwich with the <laughs> stuff. So it's become a tradition. So this year, you know, I did the same thing with them. And yeah. So, you know, you, there's a nice spirit there. And of course, you know, everyone has their own separate job uh, of what's happening when they come in. And you, you kind of know the people, you know, who, who's going to want ginger ale or uh, something like that. So uh, uh, it's just a key method. And my gosh, it works out and it's a lot of fun. And uh, as you know, it you know, can be important. Sometimes you have to counsel the people there yeah. a bit, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that I'm seeing or, you know, I don't like to uh, point stuff out, but you might want to put on some sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You almost become like a coach or a counselor or whatever, yeah. you know, which is yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's... Yeah, I think it's probably... I was thinking about this today. I'm like, you know, when you're when you're in those really long sections, like those 12 mile sections and you finally get into aid station, obviously the water, you are like wanting the water and the food, but I'm like, for the most part, you just want human contact at that point. (laughs) That's right. Uh Some gabbing and stuff like that. And you know, I like to interact with the people because I'm doing my own assessment of how they, uh, you know, if the answers are too weird or, you know, you know, um, I'm, I'm not used to asking ladies when's the last time they peed, you know, but uh, anyway, you have to ask stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Was there any, yeah, I don't, was, was there any like memorable experience this year that stood out from years past? Oh, jeez, I don't know. It was just a wonderful year, you know that. Uh, in what area would you mean? Um, I don't know. Either camp or uh, uh, yeah. Let's go with camp. You know, camp was great. You know, there was a lot of jokesters there. There were. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, inter- interacting. You know, you had you and Phil and Paul and uh, uh, you know several of the others would you know just bounce off one another or, you know, enjoy a good, uh, you know, either word or uh, some of the crude thing even. Or, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, the, the interesting thing about it is, I was thinking this the other day, you go into camp, you go into that tent, you know, all of a sudden you're either going to be comfortable or uncomfortable, whatever, and, and the people did work out well. But it wasn't until the last day the people started to ask the question, what do you do in the outside world? Yeah. And then they would say, oh, I'm a, you know, a plumber, I'm a this, or, you know, I work for FedEx, or whatever. You didn't, you didn't need to know that about them before then. You're in an immediate interaction. Here you are. You don't have anyone else with you that's familiar with you, for the most part. And you come into camp, and you make your reputation, and... Uh, you know, you do your stuff, and you care about the people you care about, and uh, then you find out, oh, oh my gosh, oh, that's what you do. 
oh, you live out there? Yeah. So uh, I think that's kind of an interesting side, you know. And uh, <clears throat> but the, uh, no, it was a great group, you know. As you know, and because it was cooler this year, you had so much better times, and you had really a great competitive feel too, you know. So uh, <clears throat> it was a joy to watch and uh, to see people that take come back from previous years and really triumph, you know, people that were. Uh, really crying and uh, on the ground and everything last year, freezing uh, through. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, it's, yeah. It's incredible in that way. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, thank you, John, for everything you did during the race. Like, thank you. I I'm loved so, it, man. I'm so delighted. Uh, ah, thank you. You were a great joy. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And I thought, you know, Evan was a seventh grade teacher. Are you kidding me? I mean, my eyes twinkled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because I saw what a good teacher you are. You oh, know, thank you. I could tell you just you cared. There's a joy there, and you know you weren't slumped over when you said seventh graders. You were <laughs> you were pumped up. So yeah, no. I, I it's, knew a fellow. Uh, yeah, it's like I a, knew a fellow. Uh, <laughs> It's like a kindred spirit when you meet another oh, person who's taught middle school, and because most people true. assume you don't like it, and it's like, no, man, I love middle yeah. school. Like they're the best. Oh, they're I know, crazy yeah. in the best way possible. Yeah, you know. Yeah, when you tell people in the outside world that you taught seventh grade, even if you don't teach us, yeah, teachers will sympathize with you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, 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 I love them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. So great. The, uh, yeah. But you keep in touch. I will. Yeah, definitely. I hope. Yeah. I hope that we uh, we cross paths again next year. I know. I'll definitely. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be in Moab at some point in the future yeah. too. Because yeah. after leaving uh, there, I told. Able, yeah, uh, I told my I'm wife. Able to. Yeah. We'll be there. Okay. Sounds good. I told my wife yeah. though. I was like, man, we could spend like a month in Moab. You know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If not more, so yeah. we'll... don't don't ever come in uh, September, October, though, because you'll never recover. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah, it's... no, just you know, this uh, these red rocks they they take and uh, you know they they do something to you. Yeah, so no, I hear you. All right, I'll... Then, yeah, you know, you get the autumn. You know, you can wear a, t- a sweatshirt and stuff like that. That's that's my weather. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Well, thank you for you like doing this, John. All, by the way? Um, you know, oh, yeah. I I like I definitely enjoy cooking. Um, right now with my kids mm-hmm. being so small, it's a little more challenging because they're like, you yeah. know, whenever we're making dinner, they're either freaking out or trying to help, which is <laughs> not always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a beautiful family there, so uh, no, I. <laughs> I smiled at meeting you, delighted at meeting you, and um, I hope it continues. Yeah, definitely, John. Well, I'll keep in touch for sure. Great. All right. Well, and and enjoy the heat. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody who's shared their stories. Thank you, everyone involved with this special event. Um, And thank you guys for listening. I, I wanted to do something extra special because this was six days of my life this summer that were incredibly important and incredibly meaningful. And uh, so I wanted to cover this race from all sorts of different perspectives and 
who knows how good of a job I did. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I'm just happy because I got a, I got a chance to reconnect with all these people one more time before summer ended. So, uh, so like I said, thank you guys for listening. I know that was a lot of desert rats over the last few months. Um, and this is wrapping it up for the, for at least this year, we'll see what kind of craziness next year brings. Um, but I do, I do want to say that I truly, truly, truly appreciate each and every one of these people. I appreciate everyone who helped out, everyone who volunteered, everyone who ran alongside me, everyone who ran ahead of me. Um, you guys are all amazing. I love you guys. I really had the best time. It was like summer camp for adults, uh, which is awesome because it also involves Miller High Life every so often while you're sitting in a river. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was truly, truly special. Um, if you guys are out there listening, you're like, that sounds really hard, but I want to do it. Uh, you should totally do it. That rock. Uh, <laughs> go to Gemini Adventures. Uh, it's the Desert Rats Cocopelli stage race. Um, even if you're like, oh man, I don't know about that. Dude, you got like a year to train. Come on. You got like 10 months or whatever. Or I guess if you're listening to this in the future, you have some sort of time to train. I don't know, but you guys can do it. Trust me. You just gotta, you just gotta go into it with the right mindset. And that's the mindset of, I'm going to enjoy this. This is a break from reality for me from regular life. And I get to explore some untamed desert. And I got to feel like John Wayne meets Indiana Jones at this point, which is a pretty cool, pretty cool way to feel. Um, so yeah, you guys should definitely sign up. If, if this is something that interests you, even if this isn't, like go sign up for some sort of incredible adventure. Go explore, meet some like-minded people, support each other, um, help each other along the way, push yourself, have something to train for, all those things that, that these big adventures bring to our lives. Uh, because honestly, for me, I'm like, man, adventure just brings happiness to me even even in the days where i'm not like right now i mean i just started work i'm back in regular regular schedule waking up ridiculously early all that fun stuff but like knowing that i have an adventure on the horizon even just knowing that doesn't even mean like it first of all gives you something to train for but for me just knowing that at some point I'm going to be able to really face the unknown or face whatever obstacles come my way. Just knowing that makes me happy and just knowing that brings happiness and purpose to my life. So uh hope you guys find that too. That's the point. That's the whole point of me sharing, sharing these stories on a podcast. So, uh, but yeah, check that out. Um, if you like this episode, and this is your first one. Go back, check um, check out the other ones. You can find us at Like a Bigfoot, everything. Um, and next week we'll be kind of returning to our regular every week schedule. We'll be posting a podcast every single week um, with all sorts of incredible athletes, incredible human beings from all walks of life. All right, we'll get back at you then. Peace out.